Last Sunday after the service was over, my wife observed, you preached pretty long today. I said, oh, and she said, that's good. I need all the rehearsal time I can get. I don't make any promises that she will influence the length of my preaching. But today, I, I don't know if you've done any of this in recent days, but if you went to a high school that has class reunions or has homecoming events, uh, my wife was just recently back at Eastern Nazarene College and she went to the homecoming event. And when, if you go to one of those kind of events, you understand the basis for those kinds of events is the people who come have some kind of common connection, right? They all were either at a particular place. We went to that school or, you know, we went to Bolton High School and we're going back to the Bolton High School home. We had a, a, a point in time when we were engaged there. Or if you go to like a class reunion, not only was there a place where you were all at the same place together, but there was a time. These are the four years I was in high school, and, and these are some of the people that I was in high school with way back there. And, and that common bond is something that is enjoyable. We, we remember the times, we look back, we think about what happened, what we experienced together. I remember back when I graduated from high school, I graduated from high school in 1976. You remember 1976 if you're as old as I do, or maybe a little younger. That was the bicentennial year, right? And so though we were a blue and gold high school, that year we had red, white, and blue caps and gowns because it was a big deal to graduate during the bicentennial year. And so I get invitations from time to time back significant periods of time, 25 years later, 30 years later, 35 years later. There's, there's a common bond that we share there is a sense in which All Saints Day is a homecoming celebration because we have this common bond. And the common bond we have is membership in the kingdom of God by the mercy of Jesus Christ and by his sacrifice. And this common bond calls us together and it enables us to think back to that day when we stepped into the kingdom for the first time. Do you think about that day frequently? Do you think about what events took place that led you into the kingdom? It may not be a particular day that you remember. Maybe it's an event. It's a sequence of events. But we have this common bond. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. All this is from God, who reconciled to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Something new happened at a particular time, and all the saints of God have that in common. I'd like to tell you some stories. Mostly these are your stories. We did not have a Christian home, but we kids went to Sunday school faithfully. Eventually, mom sent us to the Sunday school at the Nazarene church. Year later, years later, after I had married, I wanted to become a Christian. After having two children, in-law problems, and a great fear of crossing the street, I knew it was time to do something. One day, 
two of my former Sunday school teachers, both named Dot, came to my house and invited me to a revival service. After they left, I decided it was time. We went to church that night and I gave my life to the Lord. Things did not get easier right then, but I knew I had the help I needed. Louise Greenier. I was born in Saigon, Vietnam. I lived in a Christian orphanage sponsored by World Vision. A GI picked me up and brought me to Manchester, Connecticut. Jesus was loud and clear. The message was there for the taking. I received Christ before I was six years old. I was baptized by Pastor Neil McLean. Sharon Sedlak. At one point during my childhood, my mother grew seriously ill. The people of the local Nazarene church cared for my family during that time. That not only impressed me, but my whole family. In 1927, I made a trip to the local grocery store. This was after my family started attending the Nazarene church. On the way back home, I knew that God wanted me to surrender my life to him. And right then and there, I made the choice to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Daryl Cornell. I was born in Glastonbury, and at some point my family moved to Manchester. A friend invited me to attend a Christian women's club luncheon. There I heard how Jesus had changed the speaker's life. And when they encouraged us to all confess our sins and ask Jesus into our hearts and life, I did just that. I was 48 years old, Evelyn Banning. I was born in Endicott, New York in 1925. When I was 14, a close friend of mine named Bill was diagnosed with cancer. Bill's uncle led Bill to Christ before he died, and the influence of Bill's testimony and his subsequent death were the circumstances that led me and 13 others to enter the kingdom of God. Bill's mom became a spiritual mentor to me and led me to the Endicott New York Church of the Nazarene, Neil McLean. My grandparents were devout Christians, so I knew what it meant to follow Jesus. Pastor and Mrs. Austin were also important examples, and Betty Malika's mother was especially close to me. They modeled what it meant to be a Christian. In the services of this church, I heard testimonies of the people and desired to be like them. I accepted Jesus as my Savior and joined the Church of the Nazarene, Kathy Collins. I grew up in the Depression. Those were rough times for our family and for most families. One night in the 30s, we sat around the already set table ready for dinner, but the cupboard was bare. Mom and dad began to pray, and during the prayer, there was a knock at our door. Aunt Minnie was there with three bags of groceries. God had answered our prayers. Mom always told us Bible stories growing up. One day, mom told me the story of an Indian girl who had come to faith in Christ. It touched my heart, and I knew that I, too, wanted to be God's child. I was loaded with bad thoughts, bad works, and bad deeds. I was an active sinner and needed a major cleanup. I told my mom I wanted what the Indian girl had. We knelt by my bed, and I prayed that God would forgive my sins, change my life, and accept me into his family. The guilt lifted, and I experienced great relief. I ran over to the next-door neighbor and told her that I had just become a Christian. Ray Cleaver, Rhonda Swenson's father. As I listen to these stories and I reflect on my life, this chorus keeps coming back to my head. 
This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Because in many respects, this is my story. I mean, I remember the day as a sixth grade student at a boys and girls camp that I walked forward at an invitation and gave my heart to Christ. And I remember as an 11th grade student being in a service of mission when the pastor called people to consecrate their lives to completely to him. And I went forward and gave him all that I had. And I remember the story of calling and calling and, and all the stories that are part of my journey in faith. The, these are our Stories. These are the stories of the kingdom of God, and they are stories of mercy and grace and transformation. And they redound to God's glory. In John chapter 3, we read the story of another man, Nicodemus. You know his story to some degree. Nicodemus is one of the leaders of the Pharisees back in the time of Jesus. He doesn't really want to be seen talking to Jesus, so he sneaks out at night heads over to where Jesus is, and talks to him. We don't know why. He's probably heard about Jesus, maybe even seen Jesus publicly. His Pharisee friends don't like Jesus, so Nicodemus has to figure out a way to talk to him and not be seen with him, if you like. Nicodemus starts the conversation. Jesus, we know you are a teacher from God because no one can do the signs that you do unless they are sent from God's presence. Nicodemus has heard about the miracles, the teachings, all the things Jesus was doing to point people to God. He knew Jesus was someone very special. Jesus, in response, answers Nicodemus' Nicodemus's question directly. These signs that I'm doing, he says, no one can truly see the signs I am doing to point people to God unless they are born from above. Well, what does Jesus mean by this? What does it mean to be born from above? This is Nicodemus's exact question. How can anybody be born a second time? We know how people are born. You only get born once. And Jesus explains carefully. When you are born as a baby, you are born by the flesh, but you also need to be born by the spirit that's what it means to be born from above. You might say, you need to be heaven born. Nicodemus is scratching his head. Before he can say anything else, Jesus adds a few things. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Holy Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, still confused, asks, how is this possible? And that leads to the $64,000 question. How is it possible to be born by the Spirit? First, Jesus says, to be born by the Spirit, to be born from above, to be heaven born, you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And in the believing of that, you gain eternal life. You've heard the passage. This comes from John 3. You've heard of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. 
Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You need to cement these verses together in your mind. Remember, Jesus says in John 3, 3, Truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And with that, you have to cement John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes may not perish but have eternal life. Do you see the two things together? You can't even see the kingdom of God until by faith in Christ you enter into the kingdom. Up until the time you enter the kingdom, you're going to be confused. You're going to be influenced by others. You'll have a completely different worldview. But at some point along the way, the Holy Spirit will begin knocking in your heart and in your mind. And the Holy Spirit will say to you, says to all of us, hey, hey, listen. Pay attention here. There's more going on than you can see. And you might say, well, that doesn't fit my political understanding. That doesn't fit my agenda. That doesn't fit my worldview. But the Holy Spirit will just keep knocking and saying, hey, you, listen, there's something here you can't see. And the Holy Spirit will draw you to Jesus. And the minute you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, The minute that you step into his family at his invitation, it's sort of like you just had cataract surgery and you can now see things that are there all the time, but you just didn't know it. Because Jesus is telling us, unless you're born from a heaven, you can't see, you can't perceive, you can't understand. But when you say yes, when you accept the gracious invitation of Jesus Christ and step into the kingdom, Things will become clear. How are we born from above? We believe that Jesus is who he said he was. King of kings, Lord of lords, God's Messiah, the Son of God. Then we humbly accept his invitation to enter his kingdom, turning our backs on our old sinful habits, our old ways of life, our old world perspectives, and we invite Jesus to help us live in a new way. This is the way all saints are born. All the saints, all that were ever born, all that are alive now, all that will ever be born, all of us that are here today have a common story. We made a decision somewhere along the line to follow Christ. And in the following of Christ, in taking Christ as our master, we become the saints of God. Oh, I can tell you magnificent stories of the saints of old, all the adventures they endured, all the miracles that are attributed to them, the great deeds of compassion, the humble, selfless lives lived to the glory of God, I mean, think of St. Francis and St. Augustine and St. Peter and Paul and Mother Teresa. But candidly, I'm a lot more interested in the saints I know personally. You. I'm much more interested in those. Because you are folks who, in my time, have made the choice to follow Jesus. You have chosen to follow Jesus, and in that choice have become the saints of God. And even today... You get to choose the degree to which you will reflect his glory.
Isn't that interesting? We become saints, we enter the kingdom, we are followers of Jesus Christ, which makes us the, sense of the saints of God, but we still choose by the measure of our obedience to the Holy Spirit, how well we will reflect the glory of God. Teenagers, I'm specifically talking to you today. I mean, the reality is you are every bit as useful to the Father as your parents are. And you still get to choose how well you will reflect the glory of God. And that choice is based on your obedience to God. Senior citizens, you are just as useful to God today as you ever were throughout your life. When your health was strong and you had power in your shoulders and arms, you weren't more useful then than you are today. Because this is not an age-dependent thing in any way. This is about surrender to the Spirit of God and doing the things He calls us to do. And when we align our will with the will of the Holy Spirit, magnificent things can happen all around us, and we will reflect the glory of God to everyone nearby. Our role as saints of God is to grow more and more each day so that we can reflect God's glory through our words and through our deeds. St. Peter gives us a picture of the goal of all the saints. This is 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Listen to this next verse. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. So what are the saints of God doing today? Humbly, with tender hearts, and a deep love for others, they are blessing everyone around them. The saints bring blessing. God is using his saints to bless, to bring blessing to others everywhere they go. And if that's who we're, we're to be, if that's what the instruction of the Spirit is to us in a general sense, then I have questions. Would the people you know describe you as a person who is constantly being a blessing to others? Would your family members consider you a blessing? Would your co-workers consider you to be a blessing to them? Would your cantankerous relatives think of you as a blessing? You can fill in the blank. I mean, who is it that when they see you, they're grateful to be in your presence? Because wherever you go, you bring a blessing. You know, there are some people, we see them, and we move to the other side of the street because we really not wouldn't want to encounter them. But the saints of God, for some reason, most of the time, are folks people want to be around because they're blessing. But not all the time, right? Because there are times when the blessing you have given and the life you have lived becomes an irritation. And 
your life becomes an irritation at exactly this time. Remember earlier in the service, I said that the Holy Spirit knocks on people and tries to wake them up to bring them into the kingdom. And when a person is wrestling, when a person is irritated by the fact that someone keeps knocking at their door and won't go away, you know, that can be a little annoying. I don't know if you've ever been home and the UPS man is there and he needs a signature, so he just keeps knocking and you know, you're still in your jammies and you don't want to go to the door and you're sort of hoping to go away. Can you just leave the path? It's sort of annoying to have someone keep knocking. And when a person is listening to the knocking of the Holy Spirit, it's possible that the very presence of the saints around them can become a little bit of an irritant because these folks know what they're avoiding, right? And so there are times when you can't help but be a little bit of an irritant. So knowing that, you have to be all the more positive and embracing and kind and compassionate to help them pass the irritation. Because our goal is to help them enter the kingdom so that there can be a new creation, so there can be new life, so there can be joy in Jesus, and they can experience the same type of common story that we know together of Jesus coming into our hearts, filling us with the Spirit, and giving us a mission in the world. We are the people who bring blessing to the extent, St. Peter says, that we even repay evil with a blessing. For some of us saints, it takes a bit of growing before we're convinced that this is God's plan for his children. But believe me, to use us as a blessing to others is and has always been God's plan for us. The ability to bless others comes after we enter the kingdom. It requires a heavenly birth, a birth from above. And that requires a decision, a choice. Will you or will you not Trust Jesus as Lord and name him master of your life. Will you join the saints of God? I'm not talking about joining this church. I'm talking about stepping into the glorious kingdom of God that transcends any barrier that ever existed. That kingdom which includes all the saints who have ever lived, who are alive now, and who will live in the future. This unrestricted, unshakable kingdom of God that we get to be citizens in, where we get to live now and forever. Will you join the saints? When the saints go marching in, will you be one of them? Or will you still be outside listening to the Spirit knock on the door, begging you to enter? I want to take a moment this morning to give anyone who perhaps is sensing the knocking of the Spirit on the door of their lives to respond to that. This is how we typically do this kind of thing. Though the form is not important, only the decision is important. In a moment, the band is going to come up and they're going to play a closing song that we'll sing. And while they're playing, if you would like to make the decision 
to receive God's invitation into the kingdom of God, I would like you to meet with me at the altar right there and we'll pray together. If praying here together in front of all these people is too frightening for you, then after everyone leaves, I'm going to hang around up here and you can sneak in later, sort of like Nicodemus snuck in to see Jesus, though you won't be meeting Jesus, it will just be me. And we will pray together that Jesus will come and enter your heart and you can be born into the kingdom of God. It's not something to be shy about. It's the most important decision you'll make in your lifetime. And so, band members, would you come at this time? And while we sing, if you would like to invite Christ into your life, if you would like to step into the kingdom, if you would like to become one of the saints of God, there is no better day than today to do that. I'll be standing right there, and we'll pray together. Would you stand with me while we get ready to sing? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your gracious invitation continually extended to everyone who would enter the kingdom. We thank you for the gift of Jesus who sacrificed himself so that we could become the children of God. Holy Spirit, move among us now. Draw us. Enable us, we pray. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. The final question remains, will you step into the kingdom? For all my 
understand that you have already received an invitation to homecoming. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go there, it's a place you can come to join me. All the people who have a common story, all the saints of God have an invitation already issued from Jesus himself to the place that he is preparing for us. He says, if that wasn't true, I would have told you so. He says, I've got you. You're mine. You're in my hands. We have the joy of living as saints of God in the kingdom of God all of our days, now uninterrupted to the end of time. It's a great homecoming invitation. And it's for you, saints. Live each of your days. May you live each of your days in the joy of knowing that you have been received into the kingdom of Christ and that your destination is determined by his grace. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Amen.